Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Welcome, everyone, to Real Presence Live this morning. My name is Tim Moser, coming at you from the Fargo Studios, the mothership downtown between the railroad tracks and the cathedral. Yes, indeed. Looking through the window at young Rachel Juvie, who's producing today. Nice smile there, Rach. Love it. That's awesome. We had a great little chat beforehand. She's a she's a go-getter. She's an EMT, and she's making it all work. So we have a great show planned for you today. Uh, several guests, and we're doing a couple of interviews on a couple of young seminarians, a permanent deacon, and it's going to be a great, great show. But as always, we begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you, and we praise you for all the blessings and gifts you give us, Lord. The gift of life, the gift of your Son, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the church and the sacraments, our families. We ask you to open our hearts and our minds today to how you want us to grow closer to you, sometimes through suffering, sometimes through trials and difficulties. But Lord, because of your risen Son, ascended and seated at your right hand, we have hope. Jesus Christ has given us the hope we need to go through this life joyfully in the midst of any difficulty. We think of our Mother Mary, who, as a pregnant, unwed mother, must have gone through some great difficulties. And yet, you kept her close to you, and she stayed close to you as well. She always had hope. She always had faith. She always believed. Help us to have that kind of belief and trust in you so that we may say as she did, be it done unto me according to your word. We put all our fears and prayers and struggles at the feet of our Blessed Mother, knowing that she will bring them to her Son as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Mary, Queen of love and life, pray for us in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We'd like to welcome to the show Dr. Marie Meany, who's going to join us about bearing the cross of infertility. Welcome, Dr. Meany. Hi, thanks for having me, Tim. Oh, so good to have you on. Of course, I have to ask before we even get into talking about yourself, I see uh, uh, you're, are you associated with the St. Paul Center or did they just publish your book or do you have any connection with Scott Hahn and the St. Paul Center, I guess is my question. Uh, no, they, they just published my book. So they, Scott Hahn recognized some good work and he said, doggone it, we want to publish it, huh? Basically, <laughs> I didn't know whether Scott Hahn personally was involved. It, it would be nice if that were the case. But anyway, they, they did publish my my book, and I'm very grateful to them. <laughs> That's wonderful. Absolutely. That's great. That's We will certainly talk about that in the course of our conversation. But give our listeners a little background about you, Dr. Meany. Sure. So I'm, I'm an academic by training. Um, I'm a specialist on the philosopher and mystic called Simon Vey. Um, I'm now a stay-at-home mom, and I'm homeschooling my daughter. And... Um, 
I wrote about infertility because, unfortunately, that was was part of our journey. And um, I wrote, I first wrote an essay on this when we didn't know whether we would have kids. It was six years into our marriage. And then I, I wrote it in different languages, and now I came back to it in English just to add a lot more to my original essay. And... Um, and my goal was just to help people in the situation because I felt um, just very, very alone in it. And though my husband and I always embraced the teaching of the church, uh, it just wasn't enough to sort of know how to deal with it in the everyday. Uh, and um, so I wrote this book for, for couples who are undergoing the suffering, but also for their family and friends who who often don't know how to react, what to say, and end up saying and doing the wrong thing. And so I've got a chapter for them in there um, that's short and sweet and uh, hopefully will we'll make things easier. So true. Talking with Dr. Marie Meany about the cross of infertility. Now, I, I just want to go back to something. Did you say that the infertility was unfortunately or fortunately part of your, uh, your, your journey? Well, I, I do think it was unfortunate. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think, of course, in eternity we'll see things quite differently. Yes. But uh, it's a tremendous suffering, and I, and I don't wish it on anybody. So, um, you know, sure, I, I would prefer to have a bunch of kids, but um, I'm, I'm very, very grateful for the one that we have. And and there's a lot of good that has come out of this, nonetheless, that, that I can see now between um, you know being able to write this book and actually strengthening our marriage and... You know, finding God on a deeper level. Mm-hmm. So true. And I guess, and that was my point, doctor, in saying, you know, in a way, again, you, we don't wish it on anyone. Absolutely. My wife and I had had this, some difficulties as well. We have one son, mm. five years old. Now, mm. how old's your daughter, by the way? Oh, she's 13. Now. Oh, wonderful. What's her name? Can you tell yeah. me? Therese. Oh, Therese. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. But my, my whole point is saying, fortunately or unfortunately, you just said some great things there at the end, bringing you and your husband closer together, bringing you into a deeper relationship with Christ, more trust. And I think in a way, right, if, if we get like, we don't wish it on anyone. However, Absolutely. there can yeah. be great growth that happens through it, right? As long as we see it the right way and, and do it the right way, correct? Absolutely. Well, yes. let's talk yes. about this. <laughs> suffering, okay? <laughs> All <Sure>. of us <laughs> suffer. Why do we suffer? What are different types of suffering? Let's talk a little bit about suffering. Absolutely. Um, well, you know, it, it's, it seems like a rather academic question until one gets to experience it oneself. Mm-hmm. Then the question is, why me? You know, <laughs> yeah, why yeah. is this terrible thing happening to me? And if it's bad enough, it gets existential very quickly. It puts you and your whole life and everything into question. And, and, and that, of course, then leads us very quickly if we're believers, but even if not, you know, how, how can God, if he exists, allow this to happen? Because if he's God, and uh, if he's good, and if he's omnipotent, well, then that shouldn't happen, because if he's good, he shouldn't want us to go through this terrible suffering. And if he's omnipotent, then he should be able to prevent it. And, um, and so I think there, too, one needs to distinguish between two ways of answering this question. So the one is, again, more the theoretical, and the one is the more personal pastoral one. So... You know, for the theoretical one, I think most of us know, you know, it has to do with original sin. So absolutely devastating cosmic consequences of Eve's and Adam's decision to disobey God, you know. And when you look at the text in the Bible, it's the consequences are immediate before God pronounces the punishment, because it's not about an arbitrary decision of God, it just flows from Adam and Eve's decision. You know, the fact that they realize that they are naked, that they feel shame in front of each other, that already shows the breach that has happened in the relationship. They can no longer trust each other's gaze of love, but suddenly feel 
like they can be objectified. They're, like, they're not embraced by the loving gaze of the other. So it's, it's already as if an earthquake had happened just between them. Then, then they get afraid of God, who is really their father, had given them the garden, everything that is good. And the serpent, as we know, has sown doubt in Eve's mind that he's a tyrant. He doesn't want them to become like gods. He's a liar. He, doesn't, he, he wants you are not going to die. And then, so they're afraid of God. They don't trust each other. And they turn against each other. You know, this goes very quickly. It seems within a very brief time, mm-hmm. everything goes down the drain. They don't want to take responsibility for what they did. Adam accuses Eve. Eve accuses the serpent. And, 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 and we know what follows. But it's, it's important to go back to these texts. And, of course, John Paul, too, in the theology of the body, does this so well, um, of, of showing how we are so deeply affected by this. And death and pain are just, again, a natural consequence of all of this. We cut ourselves off from God, from this grace, from the source of life. We no longer are just going to continue living, but we are going to die. And our bodies are going to break down. And, you know, suddenly suffering is, is part of this world. And it's the suffering of losing people through death, through decisions that end relationships, physical pain suddenly, the you know, when some sicknesses take our lives and can really, it seems, take over completely our, our whole being and psyche, uh, psychological pain from the deep wounds we carry, and, 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 of course, spiritual suffering, too. You know, sins we carry on our conscience, the distance we can feel from God, the way that God can seem absent, the way we desire God in heaven and have to wait, and things are ever, always going to be less than perfect here, so... You know, we're made for love and happiness, we're made for God, and we remain nostalgic for the Garden of Eden, but we cannot go back to it as much as we would like. And, and we try a whole number of things to redeem ourselves, and that, of course, doesn't work. Um, and, and, then, and then God has to, to enter the picture to do that, um, as we know, through, through the new tree of life, which is, which is the cross, which is precisely the one thing we don't want and we would like to run away from, but that becomes the solution um, that he's offered to us. So true. A talk with Dr. Marie Meany about uh, the cross of infertility. Uh, you laid out quite, quite nicely the original sin. That is, you know, we're doing great for two chapters of the Bible. And of course, the last verse, right in chapter two, is they were naked and unashamed, right? And then, as you said, yeah. things turn south in a hurry. You know, <laughs> so yeah. and, and Adam blames these, and even in a way, kind of can blame God, right? He says the woman who you yeah. put here. It's like oh, really. You know? So anyway, like you said, exactly. the strife between yeah. themselves, each other, God, and all creation is there, and we feel it today. Wow. Yeah. But if we look at it. Can suffering help us grow in some way, Dr. Meany? Absolutely. Um, but the, the tragic thing is that it can go both ways. Mm-hmm. Sure. So we basically have the choice of rebellion or acceptance. And we can see that both on a natural and supernatural level. Even people who don't believe, you know, some manage to deal great with suffering and therefore do a lot better with it. And, and then there are those who are in complete revolt and rebellion and, and suffer a lot more. So... Um, but uh, when, when we, we do accept it, then, then yes, it does help us grow in virtue in, in tremendous ways. But um, it's, it's not easy. It's sort of easy to say, oh, well, suffering will make us grow. But so often it's part of suffering that God can feel absent. It's as if he didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And it can come as a real shock, you know, as believers who have, we're practicing, we're leading a spiritual life. And then, you know, worse things happen. And, and for some of us, suddenly it seems like he's gone. 
But we're not alone in that. I mean, the, the saints speak about that. And you look at St. Therese of Lisieux, who says that she felt like she was sitting at the table with unbelievers. This is a Carmelite nun who's dedicated her life to God, life to God and who's a saint. And, you know, and suddenly God seems absent. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, mm-hmm. 50 years, going through a dark night. Christ himself on the cross, feeling abandoned. So, um, so it's part of suffering that often God seems like he's gone, at least for a while. And we have great spiritual authors like St. John of the Cross who explains that, kind of dark night of the soul. And it's not because God isn't there that we doesn't ex- don't experience him, but because he's in a way more present, and our soul is blinded by his presence. Of course, we don't feel that. We just feel we're, you know, we're all alone. But, but he's really there, and he is doing that to purify us. Uh, you know, we, we, would like, we would like to feel God all the time if we could. We would like him to console us, but often then we, we love him for the wrong reasons. We just like the, like the nice fuzzy feeling because we, we, we like to be happy all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's God's school of love to teach us to let go and, and, and realize just how, how insufficient we are, how weak we are, and that creates a space into which God can enter. You know, for us to realize, to break down, we can't do it all on our own. And, and that teaches us humility, which is very hard, because as we know, you know, pride is sort of still survives us a few seconds uh, after our death. Um, humility is so hard for us. But this is, you know, it teaches us the hard way. And, and that is just the, you know, the ground for all the other virtues to flourish. Yep. And then, of course, it teaches us empathy. You know, we know what suffering is like, so suddenly we feel a lot more empathy for other people who are suffering and who are, you know, it seems to us at first, perhaps not dealing perfectly with that suffering. We understand why people moan and groan and how it can make them angry and, um, and difficult to others. And um, so I think it, it teaches us a lot of things on a whole, whole, whole number of levels. And there's a reason why the saints, go through tremendous suffering and it gives them it makes them greater saints Mm, so true, so true. Talking about humility, St. Paul, when I am weak, then I am strong, right? And book of Hebrews, Jesus, he, he bore our sufferings. He knows sufferings, and he knows how yeah. to deal with us. That is so true. Yeah. Doctor, this is a wonderful, wonderful time with you. We're going to take just a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little more about specifically about the cross of infertility, how can it impact your marriage and your spiritual life, and how you can support and love others through this. So you're listening to Real Presence Live, and we'll be back right after this. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Have you ever known someone who has taken their own life? 50% of Americans have. I'm Father Chris Alar. For years, professionals have called the tragedy of suicide an epidemic, but we believe it has become a pandemic because more people in the world take their own life than die by all the wars or homicides combined. Do you know that there are more veterans who have killed themselves than were killed in the Vietnam War? And these numbers keep increasing, especially among the youth. And society doesn't help. Through misguided ways, such as shows like 13 Reasons Why, suicide has become glorified in our society. But there is hope. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You. 
which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet our customers' production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. Did you know you can listen to all your favorite local shows like Awaken and Real Presence Live on any podcast platform such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Amazon Music? Just search for Real Presence Radio on your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes in the future. And don't forget to give us a good rating so others can discover the shows. Listen to your favorite RPR shows anytime, anywhere by subscribing on any podcast platform. Just search for Real Presence Radio today. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. My name is Tim Mosier, your host, coming at you from the Fargo studios with Rachel Juvie producing. Hats off to her today. Thanks so much, Rachel. We're talking with Dr. Marie Meany about the cross of infertility, and she told me over the break I can call her Marie. So... Marie, Absolutely. <laughs> thanks so much. And you know, what's kind of cool, like you said, you're an academic by trade, but this, you have experience. This is experiential. This is existential for you. It, you've lived through this. And I think that's, that has a great, great deal of help as well. Let's talk a little bit about um, the type of suffering that people experience with, you know, struggling with infertility and maybe even how that can affect their marriage as well. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's been, Tim, it's been compared to the loss of a child. Mm-hmm. It is mourning a child or children you just, never have had. Mm. And so, you know, we don't expect parents who lose a child to be sort of going through life, uh, you know, w- with a skip in their, in their, yeah. <laughs> in their path, and they, they, they suffer tremendously, and so do people suffering from infertility. Now, not everybody does. Just make, let me make that clear. There's sort of three groups of people, those who are really crushed by it, those for whom it's a challenge, but they can manage, and others who really don't mind that much, and there's nothing wrong with being in either of these groups. It's just you happen to be in one and not the other, and if you happen to be in the one, like I was and so many other women I've talked to, for whom this is just an absolutely life-changing experience and shattering, um, it's, it becomes, a, you know, real, real difficulty. And um, you have this tremendous desire. You know, you feel like all the time you're just being carried towards that child that you would love to have and the way that would affect your life and your marriage, and, and it seems like no human happiness is possible. Now, you know, knowing... Uh, believing in God, you feel he's in control, etc. But nonetheless, your life is just falling to pieces in front of you. And, um, and the thing is, it can, more, more pain can grow out of that. So uh, you can start having problems with friends and family who hurt you because they don't understand what's going on, who say the wrong thing. Um, and it can even feel like God is punishing you. You know, perhaps you don't deserve this. Perhaps God doesn't want your happiness, which, of course, God wants our <laughs> happiness. He loves us. He loves, but He wants what is good for us. And unfortunately, sometimes that includes it includes the cross. I mean, He didn't invent infertility as a consequence of original sin. It's just suffering and ill health come with that. And infertility is is caused by different problems you have in your body, which doctors may or may not be able to figure out or and fix. Um, 
so it can it can make you turn away from God. It can make you morbid. It can make you feel like a victim, and it can really affect your marriage badly because you can you know men and women deal with things very differently. They process them differently, and um, so often women need to talk about it. They need to cry about it, and men don't. I'm not saying every man, but they tend to be that way, and they feel very helpless and frustrated because they see their wife suffering. They would like to fix it, and unfortunately, most of the time, it's not so easy to fix them. <laughs> and so, you know, you have the stage set for potential conflicts. Um, the women can feel that their husbands don't really care about them or are heartless or they just don't suffer as much. And they may suffer as much or even more, but they're expressing it differently. And, and so, you know, it can also become, if you start really to open your hearts to each other, a, a, a time of great bonding. And you're carrying this together. You have to accept the fact that the other is processing this differently and is trying to help. The other is also, he's not your redeemer. He's not the one who's going to be able to <laughs> heal your heart. He's going to cr- carry this cross with you. And, um, and then there's something tremendous about being able to say to the other, you know, I'm accepting you with this infertility. Normally when, when we stand at the altar, we accept the other with infertility. We say we're open to life and children. And now if we find out that one or both have it, well, I'm like, this is time to make a new, make that explicit. You know, I love you unconditionally. I love you with this infertility, and I choose you despite of that. And, um, you know, because this is a sacrament, and we, we, we said yes to each other in front of God, and God will make this, this marriage fruitful in one way or another if, if we, you know, embrace Him and, and embrace each other and continue on this path. So true. Talking with Dr. Marie Meany about the cross of infertility. And, and so true, as you're going, I just think about my wife's and my struggles. It was, you know, it was difficult in, in different ways, mm. but it brought us so mm. much closer together. I mean, I am, mm. the, the, the blessings and the graces that flowed mm. from that are just, uh, are just amazing. And so uh, yeah. I, I want to encourage people, as we've experienced some of this as well, that allow God to, to heal you. And, and I love what you said about loving them unconditionally. That's so true. That's, we're called to love as God loves, right? You know, John Paul II, yeah. Theology of the Body, it, it, it's so, so key. So the whole idea is love is mm-hmm. loving someone for their own sake, you know, not expecting anything in return, right? So the whole idea yeah. of loving them as they are choosing them, as you said, is so good. And that has such a great, powerful healing effect. I know it did on my wife. Once you know that yeah. I chose her, regardless of what's going on, I choose you. I have chosen you. Yeah. I continue to choose you. Renewing your wedding yeah. vows, by the way, is something that really what was amazing for us because look at each other's eyes and yeah. you just renew it. So anyway, th- those are yeah. things that really wonderful. helped us. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. You, you talked about some ways maybe to grow closer to Christ. I, I don't know if you want to touch on those anymore at all. What are some ways you can grow closer to Christ? You have talked about some. Any others you want to throw out there? Uh, sure. You know, um, what I was a big game changer for me was realizing um, I only need to accept this suffering in this very instant, not for the next one, not for tomorrow, not for 10 years from now, because I think it's so daunting mm. about infertility. You feel like, well, what am I going to do if I never have kids? And I look 10, 20, 30 years, you know, and it seems so terrible. And, and I feel like, well, I can't say yes to that, but of course I can't say yes to that because. I'm given the grace to say yes to now, not yet the grace for 20 years and 30 years from now. Things may look completely different. I just don't know it yet. And, um, you know, A, I may have children, or it might feel very different. I might be in a completely different spot. God might have consoled me by then in ways I can't even imagine. So um, all he's doing for now is to ask me to say yes for now. And, of course, we 
always know that theoretically, but really realizing that and doing it, I found, made everything so much easier. And I also um, came to see at a deeper level how, you know, God wants to be with me in this. We often feel about our these, you know, tremendously painful things like, A, we have to be courageous and we have to pull ourselves together and carry through this. Well, this is the sure recipe to make things a lot worse because we have to mourn through this. We actually have to accept the pain in this. As hard as that may be, we're not going to be able to sort of skip easily out of this. Um, but the other is that the only one who can really truly enter into the depths of this pain is God. Um, you know, our spouses can to some extent, but we have this infinity, these infinite depths in us, and it takes an infinite, an infinite God to be able to enter into them. And, and God is thirsting to be with us in these spots. And, um, and there, Mother Teresa's spirituality helped me tremendously uh, to, to realize that. And um, he has gone through the suffering so that he could be with us in the suffering. Um, and, uh, yes, yeah, so I just found that kind of surrender to God uh, tremendously helpful. And it's obviously not something that we learn quickly. It, you grow as you go along, and, and, and things slowly change. Mm, so true. You know, two things you said just hit me right between the eyes. My wife told me many times, Tim, live in the present. God wants to be with you right now. And you mentioned it too. Mm. So key for my healing as well and my hope and my trust. Mm. And the second thing mm. is mm. God wants to be there. Prayer, prayer, right? Praying yeah. by yourself and praying with my spouse helped us too with this. So, yeah. 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 Well, yeah. you know, one of the things that's a lot misunderstood, and especially a lot of people turn to these types of fertility care, what the church teaches, what are acceptable methods, what are not. Can you address that for us a little bit, please? Sure. Um, so, you know, at the center of the church's discernment regarding science is looking at it in terms of the dignity of the person. So mm -hmm. the methods of science, are they respecting the dignity of the person or not? So the church is not against science. It's a huge presence. The church approves of science, has fostered science, science really uh, finds its origins in the church. Um, it's rather that the person is so precious that she should never be reduced to a means, and that when we do so, then this inflicts terrible wounds on the person. So what the Church is trying to do is to teach us the language of love, that we speak rather badly since the fall. And when we're driven by our desire and pain, we, we look what can fulfill that desire and when can get rid of that pain. And unfortunately, what is given to couples today is IVF, mainly, as the solution to, to their infertility. And it's terrible because a, it's, it's, a, it's not as successful as people claim. You know, only one-third of the time you actually will have a babe in arms. And, um, and it really goes against the dignity of children and couples. And we have the witnesses of adults who've been conceived by IVF who speak about the pain that they're undergoing now um, because they were conceived in a lab. You know, they say, who wants to... Who wants to be conceived in a lab? Really, nobody does. And it's a terrible feeling to know that was at the mercy of these technicians and doctors who decided which children would survive, which would be frozen, which would be discarded. And, and so it's, you know, we don't have the time to go into this, but there's many reasons why IVF is a very bad idea, especially since there's a much, much better method that was developed by Dr. Hilgers um, at the Pope Paul VI in Institute in Omaha, Nebraska, the Creighton Method and the NAPRO technology that he did. And so people who are suffering from various health conditions um, often have a much greater chance of having a child, more children, and they are actually healed. Because IVF doesn't heal the couple. They just sort of go try to resolve the problem by producing a baby in the lab and then 
implanting it in the woman and hoping it's going to stick. Whilst Dr. Hilges is trying to heal the couple so that they can have babies naturally, which is, of course, what everybody would like to have in the first place. Um, and so, um, and so I, I highly recommend him. Absolutely. Artificial reproduction versus uh, procreation, reproduction, yes. the manufacturing rather than, and of course the catechism yes. tells us, right, two things, right? The supreme gift of marriage is, is love. The child has the right to be conceived in a specific loving act of here it's his or her parents. Whoa, that's you go, getting back to the dignity of every human person. Wow, that's awesome. Much yeah. more we could say, yeah. but let's get on to this. How do we talk to people in a nice way, you know, about that they're suffering? How do we do that? Yeah, compassion is really at the center. It means, you know, being with the other in his pain, being with the one who's hanging on the cross, which often means you can't mm -hmm. resolve it for them. Mm -hmm. All you can do is suffer with them. And that means remaining patient. The other person may take a long time to get through this. Um, and not forcing oneself on the other. Basically, I think all you can do is say, look, I'm here for you. If you want to talk, I'm there. Mm -hmm. But not expect, to, you know, to force the conversation of the other that the other may not want to have. So true. Dr. Marie Meany, this interview went so fast. You did a wonderful job. The book, again, <laughs> is When Expecting Doesn't Happen, right? Turning Infertility into a Journey of Hope. And the St. Yes. Paul Center is where we can get it, correct? Uh, yes. Okay. Emmaus Road okay. uh, Publishing yep. House uh, is where you can get it. Yes. That is good. <laughs> Marie, thank you so much for sharing your, your story and journey with us and also your insights. We appreciate it. God bless you and your husband and your wonderful daughter. Thank you, you oh, too, right. and your God. wife and your son. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much, Dr. Marini. Me. Oh, absolutely. Up next, we'll be talking with two sensational seminarians. You're listening to Real Presence Live, and we'll be back right after this. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network.